and welcome to Yelling About Comics, episode 52, in which we talk about Endgame. As a preference, it probably should go without saying if you've ever listened to this podcast before, but we are going to be talking about the movie in depth, plot points, spoilers galore. Um, so if you haven't yet seen Endgame, come back maybe afterward and hear what we have to say, because we're going to talk about it. Not only am I going to talk about it in detail, I kind of want to spice up. Usually what we do is when we talk about the uh, Marvel movies, or actually the superhero movies, we kind of give our overall opinions about it. And then we kind of go from start to end and just boom, 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 go through all the pieces that we like and then start randomly interjecting little things that come to us later. <laughs> We're organized. But tonight, I think, and this will kind of make sense as we start talking about this, but I think tonight I want to start in reverse and go from the end forward and the reason for that is that i think both of us when we got to the end of the movie i think we both agreed that it totally changed our opinion on the whole movie so i feel like it makes most sense to to unwrap this particular movie in reverse so Joanne, my lovely co-host carrie and me as we unwrap endgame this is going to be like a really long conversation we're just going to hope it's not as long as the actual movie can anything really be dances with wolves? Return of the King. Anyways. Oh, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Actually, isn't Gone with the Wind technically longer too? Because I just remember that when you see it in the theater, there's an intermission. Oh, and Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur has an intermission too. Ben-Hur does have an intermission. I just know that Sean has never forgiven me for Return of the King because we went and saw the midnight premiere and we didn't get home until 4 a.m. and he had to be at work at six. So he just went straight to work. <laughs> I wasn't working the movie? at I wasn't working at the time, so I just went to bed. <laughs> the movie that I've never forgiven my husband for was uh, American Gangster, which is a really long movie. I think it's close to three hours too. I, I was eight months pregnant. Oh and I didn't and I didn't realize it was that long of a movie when we went in. <laughs> it wasn't until like we sat down and somebody behind us was like, isn't this movie like three hours long? And I just looked at my husband and was like, are you kidding me? So we've all been there. Um, God, Return of the King is so long. This, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more as we start going through scenes and pieces, but I'm going to be really honest. They could have left at least 30 minutes on the cutting room floor. I didn't walk out of this movie going, oh, they needed all three hours. Well, I didn't feel that way. Um, the oh. only thing I want to cut is about the last two minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, so, it, and this is just because, like, I actually had so many other questions about stuff that was going on. And I realized, like, they couldn't answer it all because otherwise this would have been, like, a four-hour movie. Like, right. Like, I could say, like, oh, it's like, well, I'd like to know a little bit more about Valkyrie, like... Where were they when uh, Thanos attacked, you know, Thor's ship? And can we have a little bit more of her? But I guess no, because um, someone's got to be, you know, leading the Asgardians because Thor sure wasn't. Right. And, um, you know, I wanted to know things about her. And then there was, um, another, I know that there was other people. I just can't think of them r right now. Just where I had these questions like, what are, what are they doing? How is this going? How is that going? But again, if we did all that, it would have been four hours long, easily. Right. Right. That's fair. Um, 
I think for me, and yet again, so starting at the end, if for some reason you blanked end game from your mind, or if you're sitting there wondering to yourselves, what is it about the ending that they didn't like? Um, I liked the movie quite a bit. I wasn't totally in love with it. I still think Infinity War was a stronger movie than Endgame. But, I agree. you know, I was actually good with it up until the moment that they reveal that Steve is going to return the time stones to the specific points in time. And it, technically he does the thing, but then he decides to stay in the past and marry Peggy Carter and go on and live a happy little life. And he returns at the end of the movie, old man, Steve. And then hands his shield over to Falcon. And we're all supposed to feel happy and sunny about this ending. I did not. I did not either. I was actually pretty angry. So where to begin with this? Um, uh, well, let, well, okay. Well, let's see. So the reason why they sent three teams to go collect the stones was not because of a time crunch, because again, it's time, right? Um, it was because of where the stones were. So they had one team in New York because all three stones were in New York at the same time. Then they had to send one team out into space, freaking space, because they had to go to Vormir, and then another team out into space to Morgar. And then, oh, oh, and then another team out to space, to Asgard. So sending one person to do all this doesn't even make any sense because how does, how does Steve get to Morgar and Asgard and Vormir and all that? And I mean, I guess since they went before it was saved in the GPS so they could just drop him back. Like that's the only thing that I can think of is that somehow this time he was able to just, which actually that was another one of my little things where I was like, you guys couldn't just drop them to the places that they needed to go, especially in hindsight when clearly that's what Steve did. Cause Steve wasn't getting himself a spaceship and, traveling to those places right I and also yes i would have loved to have seen his conversation with the soul stone yeah uh hey red skull what's up <laughs> how's it going long time no see haven't seen you since the tesseract sucked your body up into the oblivion yeah and like, like and how do you just put the soul stone back well we're not needing this anymore so here yeah, and I, I, I understood. At first, my thought when we first saw the movie is I was like, oh, they're going to put the Soul Stone back and that's going to release Gamora because they're returning. You're basically returning and getting your money back. But, or they would use the time, like they were going to use or the time. Black Widow. That, well, that, then when Black Widow died, I was like, hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> now, now we've double paid for the same item. Um, but what a ripoff right you just can't trust these people i mean i'm sure maybe he just showed up and was like i need to return this and red skull was like mm, i don't give a shit sure yeah, i mean I, I'm, I'm here regardless so you know yeah <laughs> whatever right, like, sure, you do you um yeah i didn't really like so but you know what again if they would have just ended it right there and then Steve came back and was like, it's done, I'd have been like, eh, okay, that's fine. Right, then I wouldn't have. I still would have thought about Vormir, though. I'm like, man, that had been one awkward conversation. But I would have moved right? on. Right, like, I would have at least liked him, like, showing up and being like, 
wait a minute. Even that would have sufficed for me just to have some kind of... Or, especially if he went back and turned it back in, quite okay, he had this weird conversation with the Red Skull, but he was actually able to get Black Widow back, you know, a soul for a soul. Right. That would have been exactly. cool. That would have been nice. Yeah. But instead, they just gloss over all of that. And so let's let's start with the reasons of why this was so disappointing. One, we know from the Winter Soldier and from the show Agent Peggy Carter, she was married and had kids. She found a husband. She had kids. And it wasn't like it was some mystery person. The show showed us who her husband was. So well, I mean, I, I saw. Yeah, like the very last episode has her hooking up with this other fellow agent that they had this huge, like, two season, like, love story. Are they, aren't they type thing? So, and then when I find out in Winter Soldier, you know, later that, yes, you know, she was married, or even an Ant Man, because you see she's got a wedding ring on. Mm-hmm. Um, she's married, I was like, it has to be this guy. And then uh, it was Civil War when Cap is talking to her, you know, in her mm-hmm. hospital bed. And he's looking at the picture of her family, her kids. Yeah. And so I saw some arguments online and they were like, oh, well, I guess since we never really knew who her husband was, maybe it was Cap and it just hadn't happened yet. But that breaks the timeline, which we'll talk about in a second. But the fact that Steve, knowing she was married and had children now, Let's remove the husband from that because maybe he could be like, oh, but clearly she'll love me more. As a person who has kids, I don't care if my husband and I divorce and we hate each other someday. Like my my kid is my kid. I would to me, it's an unforgivable thing to unmake someone's children. Like, oh, she had these kids, but <laughs> no, because she and I are destined to be together. So she's just not gonna get to have that experience with, the, with those particular kids. Like you, right. you've, she hasn't, he hasn't killed them, but he has unmade them. Right. That to me is unforgivable. Unforgivable. The, not only that, my other issue was, I was like, okay, what about Sharon? Like, oh, right. That's very important. Not to mention, that's now kind of a little awkward since she's Peggy's niece. That's weird. You looking at her and be like, oh, my God, we like totally made out. <laughs> You're older, but I'm your uncle now. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I can't even like talk because this whole thing just makes me like my blood boil like, all over again. Like when it ended. Having Cap go back and have his, quote, happy ending it's the biggest bout of lazy ass writing I have seen in a long time. And I fucking read Secret Empire. Oh, yeah. No, it's. Well, it's OK. okay so here's another thing that I hate about it is that Cap goes back to 1945 knowing about a whole bunch of stuff. So for one thing, like Bucky. Yeah. So the entirety of the Civil War movie is. I mean, I think I made the joke on this very podcast that they're like, you know, that guy killed like a bunch of people and Captain America's like, fight me. He upheaves the entire Avengers and starts this massive battle with massive casualties for Bucky. And he's always like, oh, I'm with you to the end of the line. I'm with you to the end of the line. And then he goes back to 1945, knowing full well that at this time, Bucky is about to become the Winter Soldier where he is going to be tortured and brainwashed for decades. But... (laughs) 
man, I got Peggy, so a little busy. We'll get to you, buddy. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it'll work itself out later. You know, it's it's all going to be good. I'm just going to like... That is not the Steve Rogers that we have gotten to know over the course of like eight movies. No, that is not him. I mean, and the whole thing, they were talking about how that, you know, they couldn't alter anything when they went back in time because it would change. It would do to me splits, which would be catastrophic. Because uh, they were, because that's right, because they were not doing the loop theory. They were doing the continuum, the straight line, the straight line theory. Right. So, which, so for, for so, people who don't read a whole lot of science fiction, there, is, there are like two prevailing theories of time travel. The one is that time is a continuous loop. So we are having this very conversation a million times across a million timelines and just repeat it. It's, it's the back to the future argument where you go back and so, which they mentioned several times actually in the movie. And these guys are going with the concept that once you go back in time. So if I go back to 1980, that is now my future. And this is now, right here is now my past because now I time is always following wherever I am right for me. And so, and that made sense. And they went to so much detail and so much trouble. I mean, again, I think I told, I think we were, we talked about this after the movie. If you were to sum up all of the conversations, I bet it's 20 minutes of the movie of them just explaining how time travel works only for them to break it over their knee at the end, because they said it would create a divergent timeline, which Maybe Cap created a divergent timeline, but then he shouldn't be able to come back mm -mm. to this timeline. No, he'd just be that's gone. Like him taking a side street and coming back. Right, because then he'd be on that timeline, and that's his future, not this timeline. And and then at that point, um, the Ancient One would have lost her shit. Uh, yeah, because and she, she made, has the time stone. Mm -hmm, she made this big thing with with Bruce about, you know... But if you do this, then the times are going to diverge and we can't have this. And he was like, oh, but what if we bring it back to right at that time so that those timelines never happen? It was that and hearing that Stephen Strange, you know, passed, gave them the stone, gave Thanos the stone that she was like, OK, I'm going to trust you guys with this. Or more, more like she's trusting she's trusting Stephen for trusting them. Right. And so, she, and so lets them have it. But man. That would have killed everything. She would have been like, <laughs> she would have come back from the dead, you know, just just to like annihilate Captain America for the most right. selfish well, reason ever. Well, and after after taking that huge conversation in which he's like, "How did you guys learn about time travel?" And this is a very humorous. I laughed really hard when <laughs> Ant Man and War Machine are going back and forth, just naming off all the time travel movies. Somewhere in time, actually, specifically, this is the somewhere in time argument that Steve was then able to go back and then just relive forward going through there. You spent so much time to explain your straight line theory. And then you just went back to the loop that you swore it wasn't anyways. Now, all together now, Carrie, this is why we fucking hate time travel. And why I'm now convinced that time travel is the literal worst. So, all right. So let's say that they did suddenly make it into a loop. So, right. Okay. So that would mean that Steve Rogers had to stay in hiding the entire time. 
Oh yeah, because he's he's under the ice, right? Through his whole life, and he can't oh, possibly God. run into his. You know, yeah. Ooh, wait a minute. What? Ooh. So, ooh, bear with me. So, again, this is why I hate time travel. So Steve Rogers goes back to 1945. So this is we're going to call this Steve Rogers number one. Steve Rogers number one goes back to time travel. Goes back to 1945 and is having to live in secret because Steve Rogers number two is under the ice right now so they are currently going along this trajectory with him living up here with peggy carter and the other version of himself down there underneath the ice this is actually the time cop argument at this fucking point and <laughs> the cinematic masterpiece starring the national treasure jean-claude mandem uh which they did mention in all their their time travel knowledge they did they absolutely <laughs> did i think it was ant-man who's just like time cop <laughs> yes hot the tub name. time machine <laughs> Oh god, I laughed so hard at that. Yeah, but so they're traveling along these paths where he's up here living with Peggy, and he's down, and the other version of him's down under the ocean. Steve number two, I guess. Eventually, they're going to come to a point where Steve number one is still living happily married with Peggy, and Steve number two is being awakened because they found him in the ice, and then he's going to go off and fight the Loki during the invasion. He's going to go fight for Bucky. He's going to do all those things. Meanwhile, Steve number one is still continuing on his life here. There are two versions of him in the world now. If Again, because he's not in an alternate timeline because he was able to get back to these people. Mm -hmm. Until that particular moment when he left. And then there was one. <sighs> Did nobody else think of this? Or have a problem with this because again if their argument is well no he you know he went back into the past so that then became his future and everything else that was in the past and it doesn't matter so 2014 and the avengers are fighting that's actually his past and he's going forward again that would still mean that when it comes time to then that would mean that when it comes time to fight loki they don't have a captain america with them because he went back and is now living i hate time travel I yeah. I I was okay with their time travel too because again in that beginning scene where they took so much time to set it up at first when they were like time travel I was like oh god no, but then they went through all that painstaking oh this is this is just gonna, this is gonna be fine it's gonna be fine oh yeah and then again when Bruce, when Bruce talked with the ancient one I was like okay you know what we're gonna be fine we're gonna because yeah because it, it was actually it was, actually, actually, it was at that moment actually it was before that when Bruce was sitting down to explain how this was going to work. I was like, okay, so they have actually set a list of rules here. This might work because, right. And I hate time travel. All time travel does is open up plot holes and you'll never convince me otherwise. And they were actually yeah. doing a somewhat of a good job. I have some other complaints, but I was ready to ignore all that until this happened. I'm like, well, now you just broke every single one of those rules. So now I'm going to ask questions about everything else, what that meant. Yeah, no, same. And, you know, with that scene with the ancient one with Bruce, when he was talking about taking this time stone, I actually had the thought where I was like, but wait a minute, that's going to create like an alternate version of history. And then she says it and I was like, okay, cool. They've got all their bases covered. This is going to work. And then they do this thing with Cap. And the reason that it pissed me off so much is that I know that Chris Evans no longer wants to do Captain America. I knew that Robert Downey Jr. no longer wanted to do Iron Man. And 
Chris Hemsworth had previously kind of been like, ah, I'm done with Loki. I'm done with Thor. And then once Thor was made funny, he was like, ah, I'm actually okay with Thor. But they kind of needed to retire him to make room for Valkyrie, right? So the three main heroes, I thought Iron Man's send-off was beautiful. Yes. Right? He Agreed. Died. I was very sad. Like, I cried in the theater. Oh, I, I saw. I was so sad. I was wrecked. But it was a very Iron Man way to go. Like, that mm -hmm. is the way Tony would have wanted to go. And Thor just kind of being like, you know what? I'm going to go off and find myself for a while. That's actually a pretty Thor thing to do, right? Like, I was okay with that. Because he's a god. He can go do whatever the heck he wants. Cap, as you said, it was lazy writing they were just like oh we got to give him a happy ending uh put him with peggy why couldn't the happy ending have been with sharon why did it right, have to be with peggy like you know what he could have come back from dropping off the stones taken his shield handed it to sam which was a lovely moment had that same conversation that they had right oh, and yeah. been like you know Chris, i'm going to find me a life and yes. show him call sharon or something like that and i would have been like yeah. Yes, he could have had his life, retired the shield. It would have been fine. Or if you felt the need to make to get rid of him entirely, they could have killed him too. He and Iron Man both could have died in the pursuit of this, and then you could have had other people return the shield, the stones. Yes. Oh, easily. And Sam could have picked up the shield and been like, "I'm gonna continue." Like mm -hmm. he could. Either him there or were, Bucky. Either one. Right. Either one. Right. I actually... I like Sam, I though. Sam. Yeah, I like Sam better. <laughs> and, and that's just because I like Sam as Captain America. I mean, I never read the issues where Bucky was Captain America, which is why I'm saying Bucky, because he's been Captain America in the past. But I always did like the, the Falcon Captain America. Well, if you think about it from a narrative structure within these movies... Bucky is what we would call a uh, problematic character. He was a brainwashed assassin for how long? He was the crux of civil war, which was not exactly a happy time. Um, I would have been gravely disappointed if they would have given it to him because my first thought, to borrow from Mjolnir, I don't think he's worthy of the shield. The way that they've... He hasn't had a redemption arc to make him worthy of the shield yet. He's just kind of been peaceful and helpful mm -hmm. in the last couple of movies right whereas sam has proven himself multiple times i i love i just really love what the cinematic universe did with sam i oh he was absolutely hands down falcon was probably one of my if not the he was one of my favorite characters in in the yeah. mcu uh, i mean because i always liked falcon to begin with and how mm -hmm. and how they got um tim mackey the last name is Mackie. It's all I remember. His portrayal of him, like we couldn't have picked a better person for his betrayal, for his portrayal. Oh, it was, it was betrayal, so. Great. I was like, wait a minute, what? No, <laughs> no betrayal is what Cap did. Uh, yeah, well, I really felt as though they did kind of betray that character. It's not, it's not an incorrect word. Um, the guy who plays uh, Sam is Anthony Mackie. That's knew, his name. I knew it was a Mackie. Um, yep. But, but other, he's, I love him. He's so adorable. He is adorable. But my other, you know, big beef with this, like, I'm sorry, Marvel, you've opened up this can of worms with, you know, the time travel and stuff. But um, he and Peggy barely had a moment. 
there was not a relationship. He was in love with this idea of a possibility. Yes, they had a connection. I always thought about it. And I I thought in Civil War, was it in Civil War where he goes to see her or yes. Winter Soldier? It's Civil War. Anyways, they're all one now in my mind. But I thought that when he went to see her, he kind of made peace with that, that they crossed like ships. Yes. That if they would have been together, they probably really would have liked each other and really could have hit it off and been this true love, right? And with him, she was still this young woman ideal to him and really all he had ever known, where she went on to have this other life. So in this movie, actually, when they go back in time and he sees a picture of himself on her desk, I was like, you know what? No. From her point of view, she knew him for a hot minute. And then she went on and had a life and met somebody else who she loved. I it's the Titanic argument, god damn it. I you know what that big of a connection. But I understand why she had a photo of him there. I totally do, because he was a very important person in her life at one point in time. And she missed him. But I don't Yes, but again, I just don't think they had that deep of a connection. No, uh no, not now when he woke up, I totally understand why he, you know, the first thing he's like, I'm late for a date. Totally get that. And there's actually a deleted scene in Avengers. Yeah, it's 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 in Avengers where he is uh looking through files. Like they uh, gave him like a stack of his old files that had everybody who was on his team. He was looking through and like, you know, deceased, 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 deceased. And it had Peggy and it said alive and it had her address and a phone number. And he looks at the phone. I don't, I wish that scene was, was in there. I, I, it was one of those like, sometimes deleted scenes like, okay, I see why they cut that out. But that I thought was pretty, was was pretty powerful. Um, And I understand that. But at the same time, he also knew he, he had to move on. Yeah. I, I, I guess I got that God, idea you know, that he realized and, that. You know, in Winter Soldier, the whole time Black Widow was trying to set him up with somebody. Yeah, which like I my, thought was great. I mean, one of my favorite scenes is when they they throw Sitwell off the building. And she goes, hey, so what about that this girl like down in accounting? He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just don't know because of this, this, this. And then, you know, Falcon comes and brings him up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well... For anybody here who watches the Red Letter Media uh, prequel videos, there's one of his big arguments about, um, oh, shoot, what is the second prequel movie? Episode two, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, he breaks down why the Padme and Anakin relationship doesn't work. And he talks about they never really have a big connection. The whole thing is, and he has this big montage where he's like, they're pretty, they're in love, they're attractive, they're in love. And that's really what this felt like to me, too, with Cap and Peggy, is I was like, oh, look, two attractive people, they should be in love. Like, that was about as deep as their connection went. They really, and I think actually it's the pitch meetings that really succinctly pointed that out. And I was like, oh, God, it's so true. Mm-hmm. It. They really, I guess I never felt like theirs was this unrequited love story that deserved to be closed like that. If anything, I am more emotionally invested in Gamora and Quill mm. because we've 
seen them. We have seen them come together. We've seen their times. We've seen all this stuff. So in Infinity War, when she's like, I love you, I'm like, she's in love with him because we know that they have a history. We know that they've been progressing towards this. This makes sense. Same with Pepper Potts, right? Cap and Peggy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason why Iron Man and Pepper Potts work is because they had known each other forever. Well, we've seen their relationship grow. And, right. And just like, you know, you know, just like Quill and Gormora, it wasn't like they were only together for a couple of days. They didn't fall in love in the first movie. He hit on her because he was hitting on anything that moves. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until about halfway through the second movie that Gamora realized that, you know, that she really does care about him mm-hmm. a lot. And, uh, but by, by then they had been together for a long time. Yeah. Well, they had known each other. They had a history. Mm-hmm. And again, um, it also works with, I just had their name in my mind and now it's on. Well, <laughs> uh, well, actually, there's another one that we'll address here in a minute. But, um, oh, uh, Ant-Man and uh, oh, Wasp. Yeah. Yeah. We get to see them. In the first movie, they're kind of flirting with each other, but it, it's not really sealed. And then in the second movie, they they don't really show us so much as, like, they tell us. When she's like, yeah, I was pissed at you because we were a couple and you went off to fight with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like, we get the impression that theirs is kind of complicated and tumultuous and some stuff has been going on. And then by the end of the movie, we understand that, yes, these two really do care about each other. So again, I'm more emotionally invested in that relationship. And I felt it was much more satisfying when they're sitting at the end, when they're sitting with his daughter Mm -hmm. on the porch, I was like, this is, this is a good closure moment here. Because again, I am emotionally invested in this romance. I have no emotional investment in Steve and Peggy at all. No, because they, again, they had a couple of moments. Yeah. They never once, like she kissed him once and they talked about going out on this date. I know they probably had lots of conversations. They, I'm not saying that they weren't friends, that they didn't develop this deep friendship or anything, but there was, they were never together. No, and certainly not to the extent that she and her husband were. Right. And so I guess I just, it feels, it just feels so presumptuous on his part to be like, you know what? She loved me more than she ever would have loved some other dude. It, especially since he knows, again, this is not the Captain America character. That Captain they America all- would not erase kids from being born. Right. But also especially not that. after Tony made this big deal, he was like, here's the deal. I will help you guys with time. We get back what we lost, but we keep what we already have because he yes. did not want to go back in time and have that all start over and may possibly not have the same daughter. Right. And not have Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And so after they made a big deal about that, but again, he would not sit idly by while Bucky is being tortured. He would not sit idly by for any of these events that he would have had to have sat by for because he knows these things are coming. I I mean, I could have understood maybe if he like would have gone back to see her and just been like, let's have that dance. And then, you know, I got to go now. 
I would have even maybe been okay with that. Just to be like, I don't know, that sounds like exceptionally cruel. (laughs) Well, yeah, it kind of does actually. But, you know, I mean, even then I might have been like, okay. But the fact that, yeah, this is, again, this is not the character that they spend so much time building. It was a cheap, lazy way to give a happy ending. Yeah. And because of that, it, it made me so hypercritical about so many other things, which bothered me. But I would have been willing to let it go. Like, I, Black Widow's death, I was not super jazzed about that. Uh, Loki took the Tesseract and disappeared. Like, doesn't that kind of open up an alternate Oh yeah, timeline? Most assuredly. It opens up a whole lot of problems. And which I'm sure they're going to deal with the, like his TV show because Loki's a character who at the end of the movie we don't see him come back because if Tony when he imagined the snapshot or when they brought back everybody from the snapshot Loki was not part of the snapshot. Loki was way before that. Right, which is why, like, so, well, Hulk was the one who, who, who brought them back. And he even talked about how he tried to bring, uh, was it Natasha? Mm-hmm. But he's like, I couldn't because that was before, because that was separate from, from yep. the snapshot. Yeah, so it's, so, which to me tied that in a little bow, tied up Gamora yep. in a little bow. Um, Not really. Well, yeah. It did, and it did. It tied that version of Gamora up. I know. I know. See, all right, so let's go on ahead and get into, like, my other big, big issue. That, again, I would have totally ignored. Not been for Cap. So Tony, during the big battle, which was the most badass battle, because, I mean, we have, like, you know, everybody. Uh, you know, the random look at all the women suddenly together and fighting scene aside. Yeah, first city um, cookie. That's my favorite term for it, by the what? way, from IO9. What was it? IO9 no. said it was a diversity cookie. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like that. Uh, anyway. Oh, it's brilliant. But aside from that, I would have overlooked that. But again, so when Tony did his snapshot. the way only way i could interpret that to have it make any sense with their current time theory was that tony sent everyone back to to 2014 because he would have had to have done that because otherwise that leaves this huge rift in the time or an alternate timeline if we're going to go with the straight theory it has to be an alternate timeline because they've confirmed that he snapshot them. They're all dead. Okay. Two- all right. So but this is why I'm saying why my mind has to sort this out is because it's like, but what about Gamora? The well, it's okay. So let's, Gamora. let's not even, unpack, let's not even unpack Gamora yet. Let's talk about really quickly with the Thanos problem. So Thanos from 2014 comes forward to 2019. That's 2014 to 19. So he jumps over five years, right? That version of him does. Tony, let's say for a second, kills him in 2019 when he snapshots. That was 
Thanos from 2014 that you've removed. So then he can never go forward to 2015 to, or to 2018 now, right? Yeah, 2018 to use the Infinity Stones to kill half of the population. So that never happens. So then they can't get into the portion that they're in now. Having said that, if he does send him back to 2014, they are now essentially in an endless time loop because it's always going to be that he goes forward to 2018, he does the snapshot, everybody goes back to 2014, they grab him, they bring them forward, they send him back, he goes forward to 2018 to do the snapshot, everybody goes back, they grab him, they bring him forward. It's the song that never ends. There will never be a conclusion to that because you are constantly just going, and that, that brings us back to the endless loop conversation. Mm-hmm. So I would present the bold argument, neither of those works at all, unless they created a divergent timeline. It's the only conver- it's the only possibility that works is that they brought 2014 Thanos forward, thus creating another timeline, because we already know that the other two, the other version of him is still going forward to do the Infinity War. This actually would be better as a video cast because I keep like using my hands to show. But how, how does that? But how does that even work? Because it's not the same as like my present self going into the past. Because that's not my future, right? That's not the same thing as my past self now coming into the future and changing things. When that happens, you have created. When that happened, there's a whole different timeline that yes. has happened. Or if you're going with by the, definition. Or if you're going with the straight line theory, you've just canceled out that entire thing unless he goes back to when he left. Yes. So they have confirmed that he was a snapshot, but again, that and I honestly have a feeling that they're going to go with alternate timeline because that is a very MCU thing to do. And one of the reasons, so I think we've said this before. I, okay. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I hate worse than time travel? It's alternate timelines and alternate universes. I was just about to say, so one day in our, I think we referenced this one podcast, but one day in our Slack channel, we were having the conversation for which is worse, alternate timelines or slash alternate realities or time travel. And I said that it was a real Sophie's choice because there's no right answer there. They're both awful in their own way. And after seeing this movie, my original thought was, okay, it's official time travel is the worst. But they've opened up. And unfortunately, I think it's kind of, I think you can't have one without the other. Because I think time travel most often is the cause of alternate realities and alternate timelines or vice versa. So it's a symbiotic, a symbiotic shit show. And I will tell you why. It's because I'm convinced that time travel is the product of lazy ass writers. It is trying to do something and then they can explain any discrepancy by going, Oh, alternate timeline. So, and here's the other thing. And this has been one. So I have two books that I really, really love about time travel. They're my absolute favorite. One is HG Wells, the time machine. And the other is um, to say nothing of the dog by Connie Willis and fabulous. Pick it up and read it. Won't you? Um, but so I hate, hate, hate the Guy Pierce version of HG, of uh, the, the Time Machine. It came out several, several years ago. It was terrible, except one line, one scene, it has stuck with me forever, and I firmly ascribe to it, was that 
Guy Pierce's character, he creates the time machine because he wants to go back in time and save his fiance from dying. And it's the Connie Willis theory that she uses where time is unchangeable. And he keeps trying to do it. And he goes forward and he meets this evil villain. And the evil villain says to him, if you were able to prevent her death, you never would have invented the time machine. And I say all of that to say, if they were able to bring 2014 Thanos to the future and kill him, they never would have had to do it. My point exactly. Exactly. I hate time travel and it was so it was just so disappointing and okay hold on I'm sorry I have to get into the other thing that I hate about this so can we bring in Gamora now I mean yeah so they bring forth Gamora Nebula and Thanos from 2014 Gamora from 2014 it's humorous because on one hand one thing that i liked about it for a little like a hot minute i liked about it was that i was like oh one of the things i've always wondered about gamora's character is that if she was so indoctrinated by thanos to be her daughter his daughter why would she have wanted to betray him and if you remember that scene with the soul stone she and nebula when she tells nebula she's like i found the map and i burned it and nebula's like oh good so at first when they brought those two versions forward i was like this is what does it this is what keys them off that they can't trust their dad. Obviously, that's not the route that they go with it. 2014 Gamora is running around in 2019. There's a very humorous exchange where she's looking at Quill and she's like, this is him. And Nebula says it was him or a tree, which is funny. <laughs> yes. But when Tony snapshots, Gamora just exits stage left. Did she, A, get killed? B, go back to 2014, in which case she would have still, prog- well, I don't know if she would have progressed because her dad wasn't around anymore because 2014 Thanos is dead. So she should still be, I guess she would still be dead at the pit of the, the base of the Soulstone pit. Or did she just walk off into the sunset and now we have no idea where she is? And I say that because the last scene with Quill, well, second to last scene because there's the really funny exchange between him and Thor is him searching for Gamora and the computer finding no results. Where's Gamora? I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? Why is Gamora part of the stupid plot? Like- See, and this is why oh. I said my tiny pea brain head, the only way I could wrap around Tony Snapshot was to send them all back to 2014. It was the only thing that made sense with their time theory and with Gamora missing. Although when they killed 2014 Nebula, I was like, that's that's causing, that's gonna cause a problem. So, and I know that they said specifically, this isn't how this works, but back to the future logic should make 2019 Nebula disappear unless they created an alternate timeline which is i think is what they did because that is now a different version of gamora just like that's a different version of thanos otherwise none of this happens okay i hate because this. i know exactly exactly um actually i will have to say when 2014 nebula was killed i actually was immediately looking at 2019 like oh my god she's gonna disappear any moment now me too well so my first thought was i was like 2019 oh wait no they already said that it doesn't work that way but I guess I don't understand how it doesn't work that way. How does it not work when the past self 
comes into the future and you kill her because then that means that there's no if you're going back you know it's all a straight line there's no self to have killed right it by all logical sense it shouldn't work which again alternate timeline they created a divergent path it's the only thing that works but here's the problem with that is that oh god carrie what have we done because if they've created an alternate version okay hold on bear with me for a second so thanos goes circuiturating the time stones he gets to 2018 he does the snapshot he goes off into the sunset they go back and grab 2014 and create an alternate timeline. So now there's two versions of Thanos going forward through the future. This one comes to 2019 and gets killed. This one still goes to 2018 and does the snapshot. So in one timeline, and this is the timeline that they're playing around in, technically, Tony shouldn't be able to unsnapture them or the Hulk or whatever. They shouldn't be able to do any of this. Because... <sighs> you guys... You guys, and I know what you're, I know, I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there going, you guys are overthinking this by half. But here's my problem is that don't take the time to set up rules, firm rules, and then just be like, <laughs> oh, that's in the trash anyway. Don't think about this too hard. You know, the only movie I've ever given a pass to that for is Looper. And I'll tell you why. That first conversation when, um, Jordan Gors jo uh, Jordan Gordon Joseph Levitt got it out it like, like six times but and Bruce Willis are sitting in the coffee shop and he's asking him he's like but how does this work and Bruce Willis is looking at <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt but basically is looking at the camera when he's like you know what just don't think about this too hard and it works because he basically says, he's like, the science is really complicated. Don't think about it too hard. And he is really a talking to the audience. But, okay, you guys didn't think this through enough. You just wanted to make a sci-fi movie. I'll I'll give it to you. These guys took the time to explain the, the rules science. That's and then broke them. I mean, really got into the science of it between Tony really? and Bruce and, um, and even... Uh, Scott. I mean, he yeah. comes off as an idiot, but he talks about in his very first movie, he has a master's in electrical engineering. He's not an idiot. He's a goofball, but he knows right. what he's talking about. Yeah, he's not stupid. Mm -hmm. He's maybe doesn't have a lot of common sense and is a little bit of a dork, but he is definitely a smart dude. And so I, yeah, again, that's the only reason that I'm dissecting this so much. And I think it is too, because I do have a hatred for time travel. So to be fair, I was already predisposed to wanting to pick this apart. And I tell and you, then, but you know what? I was going to let it all go. Even the Loki mm -hmm. disappearing Tesseract, I'm like, that's a problem. Nebula. That's a huge problem. Nebula getting killed. I'm like, well, that's a problem suddenly seeing everybody come through and I see Valkyrie has her Pegasus and I know we're just going to let that one go. And Jim was just like, Carrie, it's a fucking Pegasus. It made it awesome. Like I agree. But at the same time, I couldn't help but wonder where did she get that? A Pegasus needs no explanation. Okay, fine. Look but again, I, I, I was going to let the one thing. I was going to let all that go. This, yeah. the second snapshot. I was going to let all that go. I was prepared. Sure. 
kept going back. How does he get to Vormir and Morgar? All right, you know what? Whatever. This is so good. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, he stayed with Peggy. Okay. You know what? Fuck this shit. I want to. I have okay. questions now. <laughs> yeah. So not only do I have questions, I have questions. Again, it's. <sighs> you set up all these rules and then you broke them. And again, I. <laughs> All I can think of it is that meme with the, it's magic. I got I ain't got to explain shit. Um, to be fair, it's time travel. And I feel like that was kind of the way that they were going with it. It's just time travel. Don't worry about it. No, guys, no. Um, and again, I think it's because I'm predisposed to disliking time travel. But that whole, again, had they not given such a detailed explanation, I might have been okay with it. But they did. And then with the whole cap thing. And I think just because it was just such a, bad character beat for him for him to be sitting through all of those things being like not my problem i just don't see cap being that way ever no because i do believe he said in civil war that's part of the reason why he would not sign the sokovia accords was that if i see a problem i'm god i'm about to quote vanilla ice here he's like you know if i see a problem he's like i am going to do all i can to stop it Yo, he you know, said, I'll solve it. <laughs> right. But yeah, but he says yeah. that very clearly. And he's like, you know, you putting sanctions on me. I'm it's like, I see something wrong. I can't just sit idly by. Right. And so, yes, 100% that goes against his character. And you know what? If you guys wanted to send off Chris Evans with something wonderful, I, I could have thought of a thousand different ways. Oh that. yeah, that did. That was not. That was a disservice to Chris Evans and everything he has brought to Captain America. Like I'm really it sad was. he doesn't want. To, I understand why he doesn't want to do it anymore because I understand you get bored playing a character, but I'm very sad he's not because, first of all, he looks like Captain America. He always yeah. did. He's got the jaw. I mean, he's got everything. Oh, yeah. I thought he played and applied. He played the character incredibly incredibly well like he was able to do you know the seriousness and even the goofiness um, yes but with my favorite scene when he's fighting himself oh my god his past self is like i could do this all day and he's like i know i know that was probably one of my favorite scenes when they fight each other especially when he's of course. When, when he does when he's done and he gets up and he sees his fallen self he's like that's right that is america's ass i love that that I laughed so hard. And my, my daughter, she's still really kind of embarrassed about that kind of stuff. So when he said that, she was like, oh, my God. So I was like, it's not wrong, dear. Oh, not uh, Gabe. Gabe yelled, he said ass. I'm like, dude, I need to teach you <laughs> how to be cool when you hear yeah, things cool. that be you're not cool. supposed to say. You know, be cool about it. Right. Yeah, be cool. Be cool. Just act, like you've, act like you've been there before. All right? Just... Speak cool. Um, I, I loved it. Um, but again, and yeah, and I thought they were very faithful to the character all throughout that. And then that. And if I were, if I were Bucky, if he comes back old, I would be like, wait a fucking minute. Like, and I'm not even uh, getting into, you know, another beef I could bring into this is that the, which is. The reason why Steve got old in the comics is not because of his age. It was because this super serum stopped working. 
because it effectively said he's immortal. And I think they even kind of said that in the first Avenger movie. They do. And it's not that he's immortal as in he can't die. He just won't die of old age. Yeah, he has, it, it's elven immortality. Right. Dude can be killed, but he's not going to age. Yeah. Right. No. Mm -hmm. For sure. But again, it, I would never have brought that up. But I was so pissed. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to open up all the cans of worms here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it, they opened them up themselves. Again, is, they're I, the ones. Okay, so I have to say, this really sucks. It really does. Because I really liked the movie up until those final two minutes. And I've always been a big person of, like, for example, <clears throat> for you video game people out there, when Mass Effect 3 came out, I defended the ending because even though I was like, okay, it was not, maybe not what you expected, but you can't say the final 10 minutes of this game negated the hundreds of hours you played for the other three games. Now, uh, granted, this is not the same in that we're only talking about three hours and two minutes can ruin an, an, an entire movie. But I've always been like, no, you still got to look at what you enjoyed. Right. right. And I've been trying so hard with this because I enjoyed so much. So much of it. I enjoyed fat and overweight Thor. That was great. I love the conversation so with his mother when she told him to have a salad. Um, I loved, you know, Rocket's interaction with everybody. I loved, you know, uh, Nebula and uh, War Machine bonding. The oh, God. I so wanted them to get together at the end of this. Or, like, at least to have, like, a... How's it going? Right. Hey, you know what? Cap and Peggy had just as many moments as those two did. Just saying. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, you know, I, I love Nebula's interaction with everybody. Like, she's still, like, she wants to be good, but she's still trying to find her place. Um, you know, Iron Man kind of graded me a little. I guess I was just tired of, I got really old of his, like, I'm just grumpy and leave me alone shtick. Because if I wanted that, I would go watch a Wolverine movie. <clears throat> Um, but you know, uh, I love Black Widow, the hard time she was having. Um, oh, I know what scenes that could have been cut out you're talking about. Um, when Hawkeye's going on his rampage. Didn't really yep. need that. They, they, they already didn't need it. They, they already discussed it. Okay, he's they gone already nuts. Told us. Like, we don't really need to, to see it. Like, we could have seen, like, maybe, like, the last, like, 30 seconds of that when Bla when Black Widow comes to talk to him. But that's really about it. We didn't need to see, like, the entire thing. Um, but there's so much of it, and it was so much of it was so funny. Mm -hmm. You know, Bruce merging with the Hulk the way he did. Did not see that coming. <laughs> um, so glad to see that, you know, Korg survived. I love that he's right. sitting there playing Fortnite. <laughs> yes. Um, there's so many things that were... So well done. Oh, and one of my favorite things was probably the ancient one up on the roof of the, you know, uh, Sancto Centorum fighting the 2012 uh, attack on, on New York from Loki. Like she's doing her part up there. I thought that was a really, really nice touch, especially when Bruce like, I'm looking for Doctor Strange. And she's like, she's, oh, you're five years too early. He's over there. Practicing, he's uh, performing surgery. <laughs> Just like I liked, another conversation. I liked that because when when uh, Black Widow was like, 
all three stones are in New York. I was like, the hell it is. That time stone's in Nepal. But then they showed her protecting the Satan, which I was like, oh, that's that would have been ter- totally within her idiom. Right. And she totally would have worn that that eye, the, the eye of Agamotto dirt for that to protect the Sanctum Santorum. 100%. Yes. But also Black Widow saying that because she didn't, she just knew that he, they were talking about the Doctor Strange right, lived right. off of Bleecker Street. And she was like, well, then that means, yeah. Um, oh, I loved it when we went back to the 70s. I loved seeing, you know, Michael Douglas, <laughs> super de-aged. I loved Tony's moment with his dad. It was very nice. Actually, I knew right then, though, that they were going to kill him. Because I was like, oh, it's the closure for That's his too character. nice, right? <laughs> it was, but it was, it was nice. I liked it. Yeah. And I mean, no, there were so many moments that I liked. Like, okay, I can't stand Renee Russo as an actress. Same. I, I didn't really care when I, because I don't really like, I didn't like the first two Thor movies. I didn't really care when she died. But she had one of the nicest moments in the movie. Because I loved when she's talking to Thor and she's like, you're not my Thor. And he's like, of course I am. And she's like, I was raised by witches. Like, it just added to the absurdity of it, right? Where she's like, this is, this is all common for me. Don't even worry about it, right? I thought that was really nice. There were so many nice moments, but here's to me the difference between Mass Effect and this. So Mass Effect, I was disappointed in the ending because it was very cookie cutter and it basically came down to, you've done all these things, now make one of three choices. (laughs) Unless you didn't get enough money throughout the game, in which case make one of two choices, which, uh, well, okay. And there were actually varying degrees with those there choices, were, but, d- depending on what you did. Anyway, continue. Right, but it was lackluster and kind of, uh, but to your point, you put so many hours into it. You can't let that let down, you know, to quote clerks, that's all life is, a series of down endings, right? <laughs> like, you can't, you can't let that ruin that because it, it stayed, it actually it did stay true to the franchise, right? It wasn't like you get to the end and all of a sudden Shepard's like, you know what? I'm going to join the Reavers and I'm going to carry out this crusade to kill everybody in the universe. Then I would have been like, wait, what? What (laughs) Like this just destroyed the entire character of Shepard. Or if she like gets, if you get to the end and Shepard's just like, turns out that was a Reaper all along. Like then I would have been like, that's some bullshit. Because that's what this, it wasn't a down ending it was a complete disservice to the character a complete disservice to the rules they set up a complete disservice to that it was a and it wasn't necessarily a down ending no it, it wasn't was a down ending complete i just hated disservice. it it was a complete it, you've undone all of this goodwill you squandered all this goodwill you had Whereas Mass Effect, people wanted the happy, we're skipping off into the sunset ending. I don't think, it, spoiler alert for Mass Effect. Um, yeah, sorry, she, we're spoiling a uh, seven-year-old? No. Something like that. Seven, eight, something <laughs> like that, yeah. It, it's like really old at this point. But spoiler alert, Shepard dies. Um, Actually, my Shepard I think, lived. I think everybody was expecting that there was going to be this happy ending that you and your love interest were going to go off and live in a house somewhere with your lo- with your love interest and you were just going to grow old together and watch the universe. And so I think people were like, oh, that's why people were so angry and disappointed. Um, it's different. It's totally different. 
so I, I like the argument. I, the argument stands, but I think it's actually closer to, and I think we've actually mentioned this on that podcast, this podcast before, but that anime that you like so much, Escaflone. Well, I, that's my, so Escaflone, those who've never watched it, it is this anime. It came out early aughts, I want to say. And this is an anime I like to torture people with. And I say that because the anime is fantastic until literally the last two minutes. And what it is, is this girl in like modern day Tokyo gets transported out into this fantasy world. So she's having a hard time, you know, because why is she now here in this world of... Of course, it's like it's anime fantasy, so you got mechs and angels and dragons right, right. And, and things and swords and things like that. But and because of her affinity with the tarot, she's able to do, to predict all these futures. Well, she and the lead character over you know twenty six episodes become really really close, and they finally admit at the end that they're in love. I was like, oh my god, this is like the sweetest thing ever. And then she says, well, I have to go back. I'm like, wait, what? So she leaves and goes back home to her present time and is away from him. I'm just like, why? Why did they do that? And so as I love to torture people with it is what I would do is I would loan it to people and they would all say the same thing. They're like, oh my God, this is so good. Like we only got one DVD left. We can't wait. I'm like, yes, yes. And then sure enough, they get to the end and they're calling me going, motherfucker, what did you give us? And then they're like, there's one couple I loaned it to. They're like, hey, we're going to loan it to somebody else. Is that okay? I was like, sure. Because they're like, well, we have to do it to somebody else now. Oh, yeah. And the same effect happened. Um, but that's what this felt like to me. It's like, you know, this we're going towards this amazing climax of an ending. And oh, by the way, like, um, forget everything that just happened. It doesn't really matter because Cap's going back with Peggy. Wait, what? Well, it's, you know, forget everything you know about Steve Rogers. Oh, okay, is that how we're doing this now? Which, to me, in hindsight, and I know that I've never really liked the Civil War movie. I've never really liked that plot line in general because, again, I didn't find Captain America very sympathetic in that movie because you're defending a murderer. <laughs> like When they're just like, that guy's unpredictably dangerous. He is. Like, just so we're clear, people say words to him and he goes on a murder rampage. Like, but and he also did horrible things that you don't just get to not you don't get not address them because you used to be a good dude and now you want to be a good dude again you did awful things and so like I, I didn't like that movie to begin with this made the whole thing pointless again right. you threw all of these people's lives and the world as we know it, quotation marks around that, into an upheaval for your friend. <sighs> like, if you wanted to go and fix something, go fix your friend's life. At least you've known that guy, and you're always like, oh, with you till the end of the line, and there, this deep friendship between them, which we've actually seen, unlike him and Peggy. And we grew up together. They talked about how they've been best friends since they were kids. And the first thing that Bucky says to him in Civil War is you used to stuff paper in your shoes. Like this thing that like, I know all these things about you. I don't know. It, uh, 
I doubt Peggy knows that he stuffed things in his shoes. Right? It just, well, and that comes down. Was it Red Letter Media? I don't know if it was Red Letter Media, but there was a video that I had watched forever ago, which they were talking about. I think it was, they were breaking down the X-Men. And in the second, in X2, when Logan's all upset because Jean dies, somebody stops it and they're just like, do me a favor. What's her favorite color? What's her favorite movie? What's her favorite song? What does she eat on her pancakes? You don't know this person. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, that's actually become one of my like things now when people are like, these people are in love. I'm like, what's their favorite color? Like, you don't know this person from Adam. And yeah, I I was like way angrier about this than I thought because I think it tainted the whole movie for me. And I, even without that, let's say it ends when Steve goes to return the Infinity Stones, I still would not have thought it was as strong of a movie as Infinity War. No, a- absolutely not. But I'll tell you what, when I watch the movie in the future, when Steve hops into that time, into the little time travel thing, I'm just, I'm just going to press stop. I'm like, there, movie's now. over. Yeah, it's all good. Done. Yeah. It's just kind of like Done. what I do to Escaflowne now, if I, whenever I feel the urge to watch that again. Well, it, it, we were talking about that. And it reminds me of like, so I never watched a single episode of Friends, but there's one one reference, one Friends reference I know is when I think it's Lisa Kudrow's character yes. is talking about what a great movie Old Yeller is because it's such a happy, nice movie. And it was because her mom turned it off before the ending. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be, or like how we don't tell our daughter about the prequels. Um, I feel like that's what this movie's going to be because I, I'm even willing to go with them downgrading Thanos's character to a mustache twirler. I'm even willing to go with that. It just, yeah. It So, Endgame, going into Endgame, I had already said I'm, Marvel is long in the tooth to me now. It has been 11 years. I'm kind of over it. So I had went into there thinking to myself, I might go see Spider-Man Homecoming, but I'm not going to see another Marvel movie for you mean like... Far From Home? Yeah, the next Far From Home. I'll go, I might go see that, but I don't really want to see another Marvel movie for like another three or four years. I'm done with superheroes for a while. Coming out of that theater, I'm not going to see Far From Home. I do not want to see another fucking superhero movie for a long time. Like, that's how angry I was when I came out. Because I was like, what an awful way to end that. Again, it was the ending that nobody wanted. Except... I'm going to give a shout out by some like random chance somebody knows the Starbucks at my work, this guy, one of the priests is there, Jeff. He, I was, you know, I was asking him about it and he was like, I loved it because it dealt with old man Steve. It dealt with giving the new shield to Sam and it dealt with the silent captain, the silent captain America. It dealt with all of these things and all of these plot lines and it brought them all together inside of 30 seconds. And that's brilliant that they did it. And, as Carrie said, I don't know why I trust this man with my coffee anymore. To be fair, he does judge my drink and gives me a bad time about it in a good way. Um, but, oh my gosh, so I sat there and I was like, wow, it was just, it was kind of cool to see somebody who had such a polar opposite reaction that I had. Mm-hmm. Which is a long way of saying, if you're listening to this and you were like, what are you guys talking about? I loved that. And the things, and I can see a lot of people doing that because um, I'm going to bring in another video game what happens when it was part of my life for so long where it was actually my job uh bioshock infinite yeah do we have to bring that into this i'm just saying 
there's yeah. not very many of us who hated Bioshock Infinite. And those who did, they didn't like it because of, uh, most people didn't like it because of the gameplay. Like the boss fights or how it's just like another shooter, blah, 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 you know. Because Lady Comstock was a waste of my fucking time. Anyways. That was then, probably one of the worst bosses I've ever fought. And I have fought some horrible bosses in my day. But How lackluster. Anyway, um, you have to fight her like three times, too. It's ridiculous. Because it didn't suck the first time. Let's do it like two more times. But mm -hmm. so my thing with Bioshock Infinite is something that everybody loved. And I, I was on a different podcast um, at the time. And we were talking about when I was playing it. And I said, um, and I said I was having a problem with it. It was halfway through. They had already finished it. And they were like, with what? I was like, well, you know, when she did the tear and they went through it because they're using it as a way to move heavy equipment, which I was like, what, what the hell? You want to tear the fabric of time or reality because you don't want to move some heavy equipment? And they were in a completely different reality where he was dead. There was this huge uprising happening and the whole thing just kind of turned on its head. I was like, oh, why? And everyone else on the podcast was like, oh, but it makes sense in the end. And I was like, okay, great. You know what? I will take that. Maybe it's all going to be perfect. And instead, the ending was just a series of other alternate realities. How you saw this was always a constant alternate reality. These things were always happening. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting like in my office after I finished playing the game for about a good 30 minutes trying to wrap my head around how this could possibly make sense and anytime I was like okay I could see how it closes this and then it opens something else up and all it did was just make me more and more disappointed so I think well, I, was, I think I texted you, you yeah because like, you for example the thing that I hated about that is that when they go to that alternate reality you remember the guy who was the weaponsmith that they needed to yes. go and get something from him, but he was already killed, dead. So they yes. had to go into another reality to get him. Okay. In that reality, how do you know he doesn't become a florist or a chef? Is he just predestined to be a weaponsmith for the rest of his life? And the only thing that's different about him is that his wife's dead. Like, well, that one, really? was, one reality was Asian and one was not. Right. That was the one thing, which I'm like, so this person is, predestined like I guess by that argument if we go back in time and then we come forward maybe you're black and I'm a redhead but we're still sitting here with our same families doing this podcast I guess it's ridiculous oh my god and you and I had the same conversation about that move that game because they say infinite realities infinite possibilities but their argument was that time fractured when he was baptized so that all they had to do was go back and instead of him getting baptized and coming back up that they just have to go down and drown him and then the time split doesn't happen and you don't have all these multiple realities but the, the problem is is that as soon as that time split happens there's multiple versions of him so you're never going to get back to the prime version of him there's no prime anymore so they go back and then all of the versions of her start disappearing because they're like oh you fixed it no, and guess what, guys? You've broken your own rules. I'm gonna take this can now and I'm gonna throw it on the ground. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like all I have to say. Yeah, I think you and I, 
I think you and I are the only ones who don't, well, not the only ones, obviously not the only ones, but like the only people that we knew who were like, I hated this game because of the story. Yeah, because most people I was talking to who were bashing the game, and I was like, yeah, I didn't like it either. Like, oh, because of the shooter part? I was like, oh, that didn't really bother me too much. It was because of this. And they're like, I love alternate realities. I'm like, well, then <gasps> it's like, well, then we're done here because that's like, that's my kryptonite. Yeah. And everyone, when I finished my pod and my podcast at the time, and I was telling them how I felt, they were all just dumbfounded at how I wasn't blown away by the ending because that's how most people were. They were just so blown away by it all. And I'm like, no, all I see are all these holes because if in fact his daughter, like he sold his daughter to another version of himself in that other reality. And just I kept like going into it and then, so then he goes to that other reality that doesn't make any sense no. like why he was at that tower I mean parts with the twins was making sense a little bit yeah. even though that a little, was little because they were just different versions of themselves well I just right? mean like there was a there was okay like like case in point like in the very beginning you know when they're talking, I didn't, you don't understand their conversation. And it was after I finished the game and I was listening to soundtrack because I actually played that conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, they're like, he's there talking to them, but they're ignoring him. And I think she was like, well, why doesn't, you know, well, he, he can row. And he's like, but he doesn't row. I was like, what do you mean you won't row? No, he doesn't row. Oh, I see what you mean. And you're like, what the hell? It's because they've relived that moment so many times. Like, no, he never rose. Right. This is... This... Well, yeah, that's... Yeah, it all... The twins did... The twins did make sense a little bit within the structure, but... So my favorite thing about Bioshock Infinite was that at the time... I can't remember the name of it, but there was a recording... There was a recording device for your for your um, console that we had been given a review unit of. And so I was reviewing it and I was videotaping. I was recording... Yeah. Uh, Bioshock Infinite and at the and recording what I was saying too because I was talking through it and we were making a video for the site and when it gets to the part where she's like there's always a man and always a tower or always a lighthouse right you can hear me oh fuck you (laughs) (laughs) really loudly and then we couldn't use that footage but I had it forever on my desktop and I think it's actually on my laptop that's like ancient and dead and I just haven't done anything with it but yeah, when she says that, she's like, there's always a man and there's always a lighthouse. All of a sudden you hear me going, oh, fuck you. Well, I, I was so, as soon as they got to that point, I was like, no, stop. Was like, I think it was like at the end, like when she drowns the songbird in the first Bioshock, I was like, wait, what are we doing here? And they're in the bathosphere. I was like, well, how did we get to this point? This, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. And then they, uh, and then they appear at the lighthouse, and you, and if you turn your camera, you see all these different versions of your character, and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, and if you move at all, they move the same direction that you go. It's really cool in a way how they choreograph that, but at the same time, it's like, we are, we are not doing this. We are not Actually, doing this right now. Do you know another parallel between? Captain America in this is that with Captain America with Peggy, we're being told they have this big connection, but we're never shown this thing. When she drowned the songbird, she's all sad. Which I didn't get at all. Thank you! Because she's like, we had such a connection. No, you didn't. That was your captor. 
Yeah, we and we were never told of this connection. We're never told of it really, except for in that moment. And the songbird. So Carrie and I both used to review video games and we used to go to a lot of E3s. And I remember the E3, I think it was 2011 or 2012, we went there and they showed us all of this stuff that never made it into the final version of the game because they clearly went through some cuts one of the things that they talked about is they were like look the relationship between the songbird and her are going to be so important it's going to be such an important thing and you're going to see this relationship between them and this complicated thing and blah 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 okay apparently that ended up on the cutting room floor because they're telling us about this deep relationship and when she kills them i was like who gives a shit the poor songbird didn't deserve that, but I don't give a shit. Kind of like when Cap goes back with Peggy and I'm like, I don't give a shit about this relationship. Unlike the Hulk and Black Widow's relationship, which they never. There was no closure to that relationship. No closure to that whatsoever, other than him being like, oh, right. I forgot about that. I, I did try to save her, but I couldn't. Okay, we closed that. Anyways. Bah. Yeah. Rage. No, not rage, but just frustration. Yeah. Uh, frustration. So much. Like so I said, my blood's like not... boiling like all over again. Like obviously because we're talking about these past video games that I haven't thought about in years. <laughs> you know, right? It's like, it's like but, so the one thing that we haven't said yet that we have to, that has to be said is that a couple weeks ago we were talking about in game and some of our predictions. I wanted to start a Deadpool, which I'm so glad I didn't. But I wanted to start a Deadpool to see who we thought was going to be dead and who we thought was going to be alive at the end of the movie. And Larry, the savant, said that Cap was going to go back to 1945 and end up with Peggy and go forward and become like Old Man Steve or something like that. And we were all like, bullshit. That would be so awful. And I think we made jokes about burning down movie theaters. And so I even said, but she put on Facebook... Because I've said this to him, I said, if that actually happens, I'm coming for you. Oh, yeah. And so I get out of the theater, and as I'm walking out, all of a sudden, I was like, fucking Larry. And I texted Carrie, and Carrie responds back in all caps, fucking Larry. Because <laughs> that was actually, like, it was very hard for me not to reach for my phone at that very moment to text Seth. Oh, yeah. And be like, fucking Larry because Larry won't see it for a few more days and Jen hadn't seen it yet tomorrow night yeah and Jen hadn't seen it yet so I couldn't text it to her because even if I just wrote fucking Larry and she didn't know what I was talking about she would have looked through and then things would have been spoiled and I would have felt terrible um Seth didn't even remember that he said that and I had to give him a screenshot and he was like oh yeah he did that's so funny I'm like be mad with me man like what's wrong with you that's so chill <laughs> So once Larry finally sees the movie, that's going to be our, I think, response to him. All of us in unison. Oh, it's going to be like Friday morning. Friday morning when I, when I get in, it's going to be, you've seen the movie, right? Fucking, like, goddamn you. Like, I'm coming for you. <laughs> like, I'm going to hold oh, yeah. up to my threat. I've got the torches and pitchforks ready. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was, yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff we could say about that without, about Endgame, but then we would be approaching Endgame length. But I thought it was... So my concern, just to wrap it up, was that when I texted Carrie, I gave her the thinking face emoji because I was like, oh man, I don't like this. And I don't want to start off with being like, I hated this. And then have Carrie be like, I really liked it. And then I'd be like, oh, now I feel like a jerk. So I was so, I was so relieved to find out that we were basically on the same page about this. Just yeah, like we liked all the same things and we had issues 
with all the same things. And we were both willing to overlook all of our issues. Yes. Until Kat. Yeah. And so actually, as a segue, because we're raging about this, I, I really want to rage about something else because on your uh, on your releases this week, you have Heroes in Crisis, Deceased, and Flash, and I have Justice League Dark. And I think we have all said the last couple of weeks through reading these comics, we think the reboot is coming. Oh, it's coming. And, and I raged so hard last week when I got to the end of Justice League Dark. Because, and this is why I think the reboot's coming, and I think it's starting in Justice League Dark, which would be ridiculous, but whatever. Here we are, DC. So here's my rage. So they're still fighting the Lords of Order, and none of it really makes sense, and it's all really dumb, and I can't stand any of it. And Cersei is, I want you to sit down mentally, because this is going to shock you. Cersei is bad and going to betray them. I know... I know I was shocked too and I I felt betrayed and I didn't believe that this was coming actually the only thing that I could like when I got to it I think I texted Larry and was like how the fuck did nobody see this coming I saw it coming when she appeared but anyways that's neither here nor there the series ends with Cersei sending them on a fool's errand because guess what she still has the witch's mark anyways the biggest thing that happens is that all of our magic heroes are off in the land, the magic land whose name just totally slipped my mind but they're all there and they're all like oh my god we've got to get out of here because the lords of order are dismantling the magic plane we've got to go back to earth and lady symmetry what a lovely villain's name symmetry i know i'm terrified of symmetry she shows up and she tells everyone I'm actually gonna pull up the exact panel here so um let's see she says you we will allow you to pass back to earth but only if you we are allowed to strip you of all magic all knowledge of magic and all memories of lifetimes tied to magic those who agree will have a mortal life free of dangers of the other kind in our business in these lands of fictions you will never know magic again you will have your lives and you will have yourselves those who don't will die now so i want to keep in mind that this is like 30 heroes 30 characters of magic including swamp thing <laughs> so you know i'm pissed um they're going to be allowed to go back if basically they stop being the characters that they are and so to me if that doesn't smell or like reek of a reboot i don't know what else does because you have these characters. I mean, you're basically saying we're going to take these characters and we're going to strip them of everything that they are. This is, I think this is a big point of contention that people had with the new 52, because if you remember with Flashpoint, they, I don't know what the right word is. They altered some of the characters. Like a good example is Batgirl. She wakes up all of a sudden and she can walk again. Oracle basically wakes up. She can walk. She becomes that girl again because what would you do if you were no longer paralyzed and so and that it just it it reeks of a reboot to me because they're breaking down 
the magical plane, right? And we already know that, um, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Nabu. We already know that Nabu is on a quest to destroy all of magic. And I don't know how Wait, to how? Say. How? Isn't he like magic? <sighs> Just go with it. The, the, yes, he is, basically. And I'm still a little... It's like Shazam saying, you know what, I'm going to destroy magic. Okay, so Shazam's not there, and I I hate to break it to them, but that's going to affect Shazam, too. Because you have up. Oh, and by the way, did I mention that Upside Down Man has been working with Cersei this whole time? Because of course he has been. Um, I just, I just want to scream. I hate this so badly. And um, there's a whole bunch of reasons I hate all this. But... Yeah, I, I mean, I got on to BAMP and I was like, okay, here comes the reboot. And everybody was like, why? Well, I'm sorry. Carrie, Seth, and Drew were like, why? And Larry was like, yeah, I think you're right. And then as soon as I explained it, Seth was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like we're coming to a reboot. So. Well, there's so many series, I think, that are coming that are right. moving towards a, a reboot. The question is, is when right. it happens and where it happens. Is it Heroes in Crisis? Is it Doomsday Clock? Is it Justice League? Is it Justice League Dark? Right. Is it Flash? Because, you know, Flash kind of does this. this <clears throat> or is this some massive crossover event that, like, like, so for the New 52, so I went back into the New 52 and I just started reading my heroes and that I liked. And I hadn't really done a lot of research into the New 52. I was just really excited that they were coming back. And it wasn't until I started talking with you that you were like, oh, right, this is the result of all the Flashpoint stuff and all of these things that happened. And I was like, oh, right. If I would have read more than these, like, three series, I would have known that. Ignorance is bliss. I bet. Uh, yeah. So, what, like, so you're reading Deceased, Flash, and Heroes in Crisis. And I think you said all of those. Well, I mean, it's called Deceased. Like, so, like, the whole thing with Deceased, like, the first issue came out today. I don't, I think it's a mini series. It's written by um, Tom Taylor, who did Injustice. And one thing I can say about it, huh? He's generally trustworthy. Um, it was funny. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, I have questions. And one of the big ones is, is what reality does this take place in? Because Nightwing is there. And green Not Rick. No, it's Nightwing. It's Dick Grayson. And Green Arrow and Black Canary are there. They're part of the Justice League. So that's, you know, that's been a conversation that Larry and I have been having with Justice League Dark is that all of this fuckery and craziness that's going on has been bleeding into the real world. And there's just... Wonder Woman's running around in Heroes in Crisis and in Justice League and doesn't mention any of this. And again, with all of magic disintegrating and changing and these people hunting all the magic characters and all the magic characters dissolve, disappearing, I would have to imagine that would be mentioned. Like someone would be like, oh, by the way, but that hasn't happened. So one of the big questions we've been having is what earth is this happening on well and and the thing is that i would have been with y'all if the justice league dark hadn't made an appearance in flash oh i forgot about that 
which then just makes it like, what, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so, but the thing about also with deceased is that it almost kind of crosses into the shit going on in Justice League Odyssey, which is all about dark side, the anti-life equation, which I now can't think of that without thinking of, of Beast Boy laughing and saying, you're going to kill us with numbers, <laughs> nerd, you know? <laughs> Um, but in this version, Darkseid takes Cyborg, because, you know, he has the mother box and, and all that, and he uses that to finish the anti-life equation, which infects Darkseid, and he starts, like, tearing at his face, I mean, like, trying to rip, like, his, his skin off, and then he explodes which destroys um, Apocalypse. Well, one of his servants sent Cyborg away at that point because he's like, no, we got to save some of this technology. So he sent Cyborg back without realizing that Cyborg is infected with the same thing that Darkseid had. But since Cyborg is mostly machine, it's not affecting him. It's not infecting him like a disease. But because it is machine, so it's like part biological and digital. Bear with me here. When he reaches the earth, it gets sent out into the internet. So anyone who's on social media gets infected. And That's a little right, which I was like, well, like it's an interesting statement about social media. I find it funny. Kind of see it coming. Uh, probably one of the best lines about it was uh, so Damien and John are playing video games at uh, the Clark's residence and you know they're wondering about superman and because he's on his way back because he's like i was like i i figure what's going on i gotta, gotta make sure they're not looking at any screens and not checking their phones and he gets there just in time as damien's about to pick up his phone and so damien's like well what about my dad like is he okay and superman's like well it's kind of transmitting through social media and john says oh your dad will be fine damien goes yeah he'll totally be fine and Superman's like, well, why? And Damien goes, well, you know, he's not very... And John goes, he's not social. <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, it's true. Unfortunately, Dick and Tim, who apparently are living at the mansion with Bruce, get infected and they attack Batman. And they're kind of like zombies. like So they're like eating Batman. Ew. So... I don't understand, like, is this a whole different timeline? Because I thought Deceased was going to be about the beginning of the end, you know, going towards this reboot. I wasn't really signing up for a zombie flick, which right. is kind of what this is turning into. So I don't know. I'm on the fence right now. I'll I'll see where I see where he goes with this. I mean, he does seem to like his alternate universes. Yes, he does. So I mean, that's I, really where he cut his teeth and became a big name. Right. Uh, so I don't so know what's going on in Flash. That the Justice League Dark showed up in. Alright, so Flash okay, this last issue. Yeah, I, I am. Like, so the last issue Flash was a lot like Endgame. It was really good until the last fucking panel. Because a lot of it, basically we had like the big end, like the big finale with this current arc, everything is fixed. Um, 
And then Flash actually got a really good moral lesson about himself, and he realizes what he needs to do to, you know, stay happy. Like, you know, not like, you know, just be be himself without being so miserable all the time and dragging everybody else down with right. him. And becoming, you know, at, more at peace with what happened with Wally and and all that. And then he goes back home. Well, he goes back to his crime lab because he got his job back. Basically, it all got out that Wolf was uh, experimenting on the prisoners in Iron Heights. So all those prisoners, they got moved to Blackgate. And they didn't have any space for Wolf, so he got sent to Bell Rev, which Flash mentions, like, that's just kind of our own personal delight there. <laughs> um, and uh, so Flash gets, so he gets his job back at the CCPD. He goes back. He goes back into his lab, and there's a cloaked person in there saying, so this is where it all began. Flash was like, excuse me, you don't belong here. And the person turns around and says, um, it's like, this is where it all began. Do you remember that day? And he was like, what are you talking about? And then this person activates the still force. So now Flash can't move. And they're like, he's like, well, like, I didn't know somebody else could have the still force. Like, you're going to be here until you remember what happened. And then we're going back in time. And there's young Barry in his room as mom's like, we're going to go to the comic book store. And it says next year one. Like, no, no, no. We don't, I know what's going on. You guys are going to rewrite his origin story because of this thing he happened to forget that I don't know what it's going to do, but apparently going to change everything. Like Wonder Woman forgetting she was possessed by a goddess. Like that. Yeah. yeah. DC's been having all kinds of fun with the retcons. I mean, it worked for Disney when they decided to retcon all of their expanded universe, right? Sure. Sure. Well, then what about Heroes in Crisis? Well, Heroes in Crisis, the we finally got the killer. It was who we already predicted, and Larry is very upset. We thought it was going to be the last issue, and if it was, we would have actually done another podcast to bring Larry on to have his uh, point of view, but we got another month. Um, so it turns out it is, it was Wally West, but it's not the way that we thought it was. It's, um, so he's had, you know, a very hard time in dealing with where he is. He's been miserable since day one, because all he's wanted is what he had. He couldn't let right. go. This is in a different timeline. He just couldn't let that go. He's constantly obsessed. Well, the thing about Heroes in Crisis, where they are in Sanctuary, is that there's not really, like, counselors there. There's really nobody there. Uh, and you kind of go into this virtual reality room, and you talk to a computer, and you can create any virtual scene that you want to try to heal. Well, what Wally was doing was just visiting what he remembered, which I don't see how that's healing at all. Um, no, but okay. But which is why, like, so when Harley actually decided to jump in on Poison Ivy session, she envisioned um, the Joker, who was telling her how worthless she was, and she beat the shit out of him. I love it. And she's like, "That was cathartic. Your turn." You know, um, you know why Booster Gold was arguing with himself, <laughs> which was delightful. Um, 
I think my, my favorite one, though, is like, because they also have like a confession cam where they can go in and like mm-hmm. talk. And my favorite one was when Barbara Gordon sits down in front of it and she's kind of serious at the camera. And then she lifts up her torso and you see the bullet hole. She goes here and pulls up the back and here and then leaves. Like, okay, that's really all she all she got and of course and then can black canary is probably her second favorite as she stares at it and looks she goes fuck this and gets up and walks away um so you have all that which i don't see as how is helping i can see where it may be beginning right. things getting off of their chest like we're we're with this burden we got to talk about it somehow and then it gets you know encrypted and decoded and broken up so that nobody can um you know uh no one can decrypt the encryption because I think Batman said it would take like a billion years for, for it to happen for everybody's safety. Well, Wally was convinced that he was alone in all of his feelings. He's like, you know, they all have these problems, but they don't understand the loss that I have, which is, I think, very typical for, for people who have who have those kinds of losses, right. which is both annoying and understandable at the same time. So Wally decided one day that he wanted to prove that he was alone. So while Batman said that people could not um, decrypt these, this code take billions of years, well, I said he didn't account for me. So Wally like breaks in there and he's able to piece all the pieces together and looks at everything and realizes he's not alone. All these people have problems. Some of them worse than his. And it was too much for him. So he leaves the system and goes outside. Well, him breaking into the system kind of caused some alarms. And everyone is evacuating the building. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, he's like having all this mental anguish built up. He's like, I just wanted to be alone. I just want to be alone. And all of a sudden, like, it bursts out of him. So it's like, you know, lightning kills everybody. Except for Harley and Booster Gold, who were still inside. So he right. goes back inside, knocks them out kind of reprograms them to like puts them on the virtual reality thing and has them believe that they witness the other person killing everybody. Right. Leaves them there, takes the, you know, the encrypted code, sends it to Lois Lane, (laughs) writes on the wall, you know, about the peddlers, which he said was totally a red herring. And then he goes forward in time he goes forward in time, kills himself in that time, and brings him back and late places the body. So, which explains why Blue, Blue Beetle was all like, this body is like, five, this body is from like five days ago, like five days in the future, not now. This doesn't make any sense. All right, so here's the question. So is Wally dead or is this, there's this, or is there an infinite loop going on? Because you have loop because he would constantly be bringing himself back to the past. Well, back to die. So, his, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to address any more time travel shit. I can't handle it tonight. So, go down. You I mean, that's and so Larry's like, well, that proves that he's alive. I'm like, yeah, but it does it though. Although then it begs the question, when he brings his body back, where does that flash go? I, you're asking me? But if he kills himself in the past, doesn't that make him not exist? But then that 
but you have to have him exist because he has to bring that body back and say, oh, I fucking hate time travel. Okay. Just, I hate it. Well, and, alter- and with DC, I mean, it's any number of alternate timelines that they'll be like, oh, he actually jumped to Earth 12. Or maybe he went back into the time stream. Right. That too. And so, I mean, there's so many things that it could be there. Which, none of them good. No, so, yeah, whatever. That's what I got from DC. That sucks. I'm sorry. That's it. it is what it is. So what you got from a walk through hell? Is it about time travel? Because that sounds like a walk through hell. Uh, <laughs> um, kind of. No. Um, it's so I think I said last month when I got a walk through hell, I was crushed because so the premise is that these two FBI agents have been brought into what is ostensibly hell by this guy who is super evil. And it's this female agent who I really like. I really like her character. She's really badass and she's very no nonsense and she's not necessarily a good person. I mean, she did break the law to arrest this guy, which is kind of what she's paying for now. And so in the last issue, he really, he starts explaining about how he's like, look, I've done all these things and all this and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, somebody would have had a cover up for me. And he heavily hints that it was this agent's mentor, this other woman who's kind of, they presented her as being this very no nonsense badass who's gone through some shit. And I was crushed because I was like, oh no, you cannot make her a traitor. Like you can't make her a bad character. I liked her so much. I was so upset and so crushed this issue hints that maybe she's not Mm. so they they show they jump back a few days in the past or actually it's a couple weeks in the past but she they've gotten this guy and they can't find any information on him so it's jumping back to that point when they're like who is this guy so she the the mentor character kind of starts looking into this and she's like you know what there's weird stuff here this is all really weird so she reaches out to a friend who was retired from the feds and gone to work in the private sector as a private detective. And she's like, you know what? None of this makes sense to me at all. There's too many inconsistencies here. And I think there's something bad here. And he says to her, and there's a bunch of drama that goes on there, right? And finally, eventually he comes to her and he says, look, I'm going to give you what you want, but you don't want this. And so he tells her, he's like, this has been covered up by people that you trusted that you believed in and this looking at this case file has ruined people's lives it has ruined their careers because this there's like the enormity of this it just no no person should look at this right and so which makes sense because you know he's basically controlling hell so he's pretty evil um and so they she gets it and she looks at it or at least they've implied that she's looked at the case file. So maybe it's not necessarily that she was the one orchestrating the cover-up, but more that she knew about this and she didn't tell anyone. So I think that what they're going for, what the main bad guy's going for, is that this person was just yet another cog in this giant machine that's been set up. So that making her guilty, which, you know, it's... um. It's the very logical child porn argument that if you get caught with it, you are implicit in that crime, right? So 
like this with Herbie, which is appropriate because that's basically what this guy is. So when <laughs> child molester, so when she gets this file, and by not being the one who blows the whistle, she was then implicit in this. Right. And so it's just so dark. But the, I mean, the issue is a little confusing because, like, she's in hell, she's not in hell, then she is in hell. I, I can't tell what the dream and what's not at this point, but they are. I think they're going to go for she should have said something, but she didn't. Not that she was the one who orchestrated this whole thing. Because that, that would just crush me. It right. Really, like the character would just absolutely crush me if that's what they decide to go with. So, please don't. But <laughs> that, um, it remains one of my favorite series. I, I just I love it. It is disturbing. It is dark. It's uncomfortable to read at times, but it's very well done and i am still guessing and trying to figure out i, mean, I think i've pieced together what's going on but not entirely so i really like that that it's yeah it's keeping me on the edge of my seat i really like it every issue i'm like oh thank god i walked through hell it's the first thing i go and read and then like this sweeper went and wear just to sleep dark right afterwards and really hate myself for it who, well, who actually, writes who writes a walk through hell <laughs> so <laughs> It's Garth Ennis. Okay, I don't know that person. Um, Garth Ennis is not everyone's cup of tea. Um, he is uh, most famous for having written the Preacher series. Okay. So from back in the so and he's he does he also did a real a pretty decent Hellblazer arc back in the early '90s, which is actually how I came to him before, and then I discovered Preacher as a result. But He's very violent. He's very mm -hmm. crude. Actually, a lot of the crudeness has been removed from this. It almost feels like, I would say, like we use this, so we read a lot of Warhammer 40K novels. And one of the things that I've always talked about when I talk about Dan Abnett is that when you read his Gaunt's Ghost series, those first books are so rough and difficult to read because he's a green writer. But then as you start going through, you can really see him polishing and honing his skills and really discovering what he's good at. And I feel like Garth Ennis is one of those guys who maybe age has mellowed him a little bit. Well, mellowed's a really hard word because of how violent the series is. But I feel as though, kind of like Ed Brubaker too, he's figured out what his particular niche is. And this is probably one of the best series of his I have read in a very long time. And unlike Preacher, which if you go back and read it, hasn't necessarily aged as well as it could have. Um, <laughs> Well, it's hard to say, but I feel like a walk through hell won't be one of those series that I'll come back to and be like, you have to understand that it was 2019 and, you know, we didn't know any better. So there's a few series from like Preacher, in parts, Preacher is very early 90s. Kind of like Tank Girl. When I go back and read that now, I'm like, it was the early 90s. <laughs> very difficult. But the other one that I had that I read from Hipster Island is actually one that you're reading as well. And we actually haven't talked about this one yet uh, because when it was going down you guys were all talking about some dc stuff and i was like I, I, i'd like to talk about man eaters and i think i like pinged you silent like separately and was like can we talk about man eaters and you were like no i've got dc stuff <laughs> okay well um, i hadn't read it yet either and then when i read okay. it i was like oh geez yes so the last issue i'm disappointed in it I am too, because the last issue they revealed that mom 
was really one of the Panthers and apparently is working through some sort of resistance, which I was like, this is interesting. This issue, it started out, conceptually, I like it. Conceptually, it is spot on, but it's just a little too on the nose. It's over the top. Yeah. It's set up like a... So if you read Maneaters, you know that at the beginning and the end and the middle, every now and then they'll throw out advertisements and stuff from the real world, right, to make it look like this is a real thing. This was set up like a middle school health class pamphlet. So there's like games and characters, and it's spot on in terms of that for what they're going for. But as I'm often telling my daughter, a joke is funny once. After the 10th time, it's no longer funny. This was funny for a couple pages. Right. And then after four pages, I was like, I, I got it. And then by the time I got to the end, not only have you wasted my time because you ended on such a cliffhanger last time, and this issue does nothing to progress the story. It's just a pamphlet. Yeah, we already know. The problem is is that it didn't, like... Like, if this was the issue in which... Like, had they not set up already how dangerous this stuff was considered and how they're always teaching kids about this, I might have been like, oh, so this is, like, how ingrained this is in their society. But we already know that from previous issues. So it does nothing to build the world. It does nothing to build the characters. It does nothing to progress the story. This was... This felt like Chelsea Kane and her artists sitting around going, oh my God, you know, it would be so awesome. And they did it. And the thing is, is that again, a joke is funny once or for a couple of pages, like a, like a shtick. It's like, again, like in a movie when a joke just, actually, you know what this episode or this issue reminded me of? Did you ever watch Family Guy? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the, um, the episode where Peter falls down and he's sitting there holding his knee going yeah ah. where it keeps on going and it keeps on going and it keeps on going which I think was actually just Seth MacFarlane's stick with it shtick with it was to right. take a joke and make it go on really long till it was not funny anymore right which makes it just makes it not funny it's not like so one of the things that we always point to for that kind of stuff is like if you remember there was a simpsons episode with sideshow bob and the rakes where he steps on the rake and it's funny and he does it like 10 times and you're like this is not funny anymore and then all of a sudden he steps on another one and something else happens and then it's funny again and you're like oh my god like this this joke was so long in the tooth and now it works again like it's it's that that's an example of it being done well. This was an, not an example. This was not sideshow pop. This was Peter on the ground. Well, the other problem was we just had something like this. They had already done an issue where it was like a magazine for boys. Yeah. So after, you know, I got to the first couple of pages of this and I was like, well, okay. And then I kept on reading. And I seriously, like, um, like if I was, ta- someone was in the room and they were talking about this, like if Jen was in the room, I would have looked up and said, Anne Rand. I got it. Your yeah, message is loud and clear. Actually, I had my inner Hades moment. I know! I know! <laughs> because it, yeah, it just keeps going. And I'm, I walked away from it. So first off, it's just a little too on the nose where they're like, I felt like at this point it was Chelsea Kane going, do you see what I'm saying? Do you, do you, do you, no, no, do you get it? Like, do you understand? Like, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, I don't, let me, let me explain it another way. I feel like that's what, and I'm starting to wonder if maybe they don't really have a story here. 
they have more of a I don't want to say it but like more of an axe to grind and less of a story well that would suck that would ruin a potentially really good comic yeah because the story's fun and some of the little color pieces that they put in there are really fun and it adds to the whole thing but this kind of soured me on it because right. it was just again it, it's it's Peter gripping his knee which is you know ironic given the subject matter but I I don't know it so that I, one kind of like that week was really rough for me because I had a walk through hell where I was like ah! and then I'm not even going to talk about the weekend in the divine because it I have to go back and reread it I read it twice and was still like what so I have to go back and reread that one and then Justice League Dark had me want to flip a table and then I got the image I was like god this is so disappointing was like in last week you know I read Flash. I was like, well, this was fan. Well, no, first I read Heroes in Crisis, which I was like, and I actually got pretty emotional reading it because it was very beautifully written and how it was done. It's one of those things like, yes, it sounds ridiculous when I'm explaining it, you know, kind of like, you know, demon bankers. It always yeah. sounds, or as I love my, my favorite lines in uh, Avengers Infinity War, where Peter's like, what's going on? Uh, these men from space are trying to steal a necklace from a wizard. When you put it like yes. that, it sounds ridiculous. Right. <laughs> but, you know, reading at the time, it was actually very emotional and, and very deep. But at the same time, like, it was still kind of, I don't know how they're going to explain this because of the time loop. And then uh, it was Flash, which was really good until I said, like I said, the last panel. So I was like, oh, my God, I need man eaters to, like, get this better. And so I read man eaters and I'm like, this is a big fat thing of disappointment. Yeah. So thank God I had Mr. and Mrs. X to kind of do a nice little clean sweep. Which the best thing about that was that, so, you know, Gambit and Rogue are still in the Mojoverse and they're reunited and Rogue has figured out kind of how to control her powers thanks to Spiral helping her. And she and Gambit are being all lovey-dovey and Spiral's like, oh my God, stop. <laughs> You're killing me. Like every time they start kissing, she's like, again, Really? Um, and they end up, uh, Spiral ends up killing Mojo. No, was it Rogue? No, it was Rogue, I think, that ended up killing killing Mojo. Spiral helped. And Spiral is like, well, I'm staying here. You know, where else am I going to go? And she sent Gambit and Rogue back. And so they're in their apartment. You know, they have Gambit and Rogue moments. You know, they finally got that room, I guess, that Spiral's telling them to get. And they're like, we're not going to check their phones. Well, their phones are, like, buzzing the entire time in the background. They're like, fine, we'll go pick up our phones. They each have, like, I don't know how many mixed texts and messages. And Well, Rogue gets one message from Carol Danvers saying that she needs her help uh, fighting this guy who's kidnapped all these women. So she's like, I got to go. So that's the tie-in to what's going on in Captain Marvel. Gotcha. Which is, it was definitely not Carol calling her. It was, you know, douchebag, you know, man manipulating the situation. And Gambit's like, do you think you're going to go? And she's like, well, Carol's never asked me for anything. Of course I'm going to go. And it's like, oh, poor, poor rogue. This kind of, kind of sucks. And so Gambit sees her off and then he turns around and his dad's standing behind him and says, okay, enough's enough. You have to come back to New Orleans. And then that's. That's where it ended. So at least like this one, 
it's still like you know it's still fun right i have some fun comic in my life right now <laughs> man eaters was supposed to be it and it disappointed me yeah i I'll, obviously i'll give it another issue to see if it works but if they keep doing this like every other issue where they're just like hey hey do you, do you get the joke i'm gonna bail on it i don't need any more magazines or pamphlets no i again a joke is funny once like little small bursts it's funny but this is not so i think the last thing that you have was uncanny x-men ah, i barely don't even want to talk about it i mean that so, good huh well, you know, one of the X-Men decided that she didn't want to do this with uh, Cyclops and Wolverine. She just wanted to kind of go live a life. And they're like, mm -hmm. okay, fine, you know, go live a normal life. Well, that night she's murdered. Um, so this one was kind of a funeral. And Scott was telling Logan, you need to come to the funeral, get a suit. And he's like, I mourn in my own way. He's like, that's not about you. Get a suit. Come to this funeral. Mm-hmm. Well, Wolverine does put on a suit, but he doesn't go to the funeral. Instead, he gets Quanin out of prison because, sure. And has her, you know, telepathically hunt down who killed this girl. Mm -hmm. They go to these guys' house and he asks Quanin, who was it? And she's like, it's those three, not that one. And he was like, congratulations, you can leave. You might want to leave. And he tells Quanin, please show me what happened. She's like, I don't want to. He's like, I want to see it. Well, it's awful. As these three guys are trying to hit on her, she's trying to get them to leave her alone. They won't. Ask her why she's been so stuck up. You know, that usual stuff. Yeah, and she yeah. went, she's like, leave me alone. As she rolls around like, a, she kind of turns into a werewolf. So her fangs show. And she's like, oh God, oh God. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. Just let me go. Well, now they're all beating the shit out of her. Because she's a mutant freak. She refuses to change into a werewolf to defend herself. And so they beat her to death. Ugh. So Wolverine gets really, really upset and he murders all of them. And of course, he shows up to the funeral and Scott's like, where were you? He's like, what happened to you? Because he's, you know, all beaten up because uh, security showed up and started shooting. You know, sure, whatever. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, I told you, I'm mourning in my own way. <laughs> and, sure. And they have a, and they start arguing, and then uh, Kane Marco breaks it up. He's like, Come on, you guys, we need to chill. Like, we need to discuss this. Someone, mm -hmm. sure, Juggernaut, the peacemaker. Sure, I, I, I totally get it. And then I just realized, like he. Kane asks where somebody is, and I can't remember who that person is, and they all just kind of stop, and it's like, next time on Uncanny X-Men. Like, who did he ask who where this person was? I, I don't even remember. That shows how much it really stuck with me. Yeah, apparently. So, like I said, like, Uncanny X-Men needs to do something. Right. Either find the rest of the X-Men, or just let it go. And do right. something else. I'm just... I'm getting bored. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. At least it hasn't gone on hiatus for two years. 
Huh? At least it hasn't gone on hiatus for two years. Yet. I'm not bitter. No, she's not mad at all. About demon bankers? No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you want to take us out, Carrie? I guess so. I was going to try to look it up real quick. It's like, who did... Who did Kane? Go over here faster than my phone. Let's see, who did Kane call for? Any guesses? Any guesses? I could not even begin to guess. I really couldn't. I also did read Deathstroke, but it's doing a big crossover with Teen Titans, so I have no idea what, what's going on other than Deathstroke and Damien. Like, Damien making dumb decisions, Deathstroke calling him out on it, and nobody's happy. Mm, that all sounds about accurate. So, you know, just a... Just another day in the life of uh, Deathstroke. Right. Let's see. Oh! Oh, this is actually pretty big. Like, basically, Kane's like, you know, maybe we should stop fighting each other because don't we need to, you know, go fight these other people that are on this list? And he's like, list like, you know, Black Tom Cassidy and the Marauders or Strife. And he goes, hey, why isn't Emma Frost on your list? And everyone turns to him and says, who? Like, Scott even says, who the hell is Emma Frost? So, I'm guessing that she's around somewhere and has removed herself from people's minds. Because, yeah. Because why not, right? Because as one does when you're Emma Frost. And that seems, again, this seems kind of par for the course to be. See, and it just proves, like, why I forgot who it was. Because, you know, she's already, she manipulated me too. I totally forgot about her. I kind of like it that way, to be honest. Don't we all? Right. All right. So, oh, well, to go ahead and take us out. I'm not sure I could. Anyway. So thank you all once again for listening to Yelling About Comics. I know we went a little long, but at least it, I'm looking at the timer right now. And it is not as long as the Endgame movie. So, hey, that's a success considering hey. all we had to talk about because so much happened in that movie. Uh, but we will be back in a couple of weeks. We actually will have a episode that's not a spoiler cast. <laughs> we haven't had one in a while. It's been like Captain Marvel and then Shazam and now this. So anyway, so stay tuned for that. You can, of course, you can always find this podcast on directly on the website at yellingaboutcomics.com as well as iTunes and Google Podcasts and Stitcher. We're also on social media on Twitter at yellaboutcomics. And also on uh, Facebook at Yelling About Comics. Uh, I'm, you can find me at Twitter at Crunchy Chocobo. And you can find Jen on Twitter at Jen Bozer. And of course, like we will, like I said, we'll see you in a, or talk to you in a couple, couple of weeks. And with that, I'll just say good night and good luck. Courage.